0: Welcome to women at warp join us as our crew of four women star trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise i'm andy your moderator for the week and i'm joined with jara and sue hi ladies hey hello today we're going to be talking about women on the next generation uh now looking forward we're definitely going to be tackling a lot of topics here at women at warp from specific characters and episodes to broader thematic elements seen in Star Trek in general. But I thought it would probably be a good idea to discuss some of the bigger topics as well, such as how each series as a whole dealt with women. Probably not going to be able to fit it all into one episode. Probably going to need a part two or maybe even a part three, but I thought we could start here and uh, see how it goes. Now, Jara, you did a really interesting project for your blog, Trekkie Feminist, where you analyzed every series, um, episode by episode, to see how they passed the Bechdel test results. How did The Next Generation stack up against all of the other series for women?
1: Yeah, thanks. So um, for those of you who don't know, the Bechdel test is, um, it sort of started as a bit of a joking uh, reference by Alison Bechdel in her comic, Dykes to watch out for and um, it basically in order to pass the Bechdel test um, something uh, it's usually applied to movies a movie needs to have two women characters who have names who talk to each other uh, about something other than a man so it's like a really really low standard and it isn't meant to evaluate like how feminist something is because you can have something that passes the Bechdel test but is, like, not feminist in any way, like, uh, Star Trek 2009, which we were talking about before the show, passes the Bechdel test because Uhura and her lab partner are talking about their lab assignment while Kirk is lying under the bed watching Uhura get
0: changed. <laughs> so, it's kind of like the, the basic minimum of, of, you know, whether or not we have women talking. Yeah, exactly,
1: because it's really hard to find any episode that would not pass if you changed it and made it two men talking about something other than a woman. Like, basically every piece of media that exists would pass that test. So it's, it's just an indication of how... Um, there may not be enough women characters or the women characters might be written in stereotypical ways. So um, I had some volunteers um, who also helped me out. So I didn't have to watch all of the episodes by myself. Um, And, uh, But we went through and we ran the Bechdel test on all of Star Trek. So TNG came out at a 44.9% pass. So 44.9% of episodes passed the Bechdel test. Um, The highest season score was season five, which was a little bit over 60%. Um, So, I mean, I guess I wasn't super surprised. It was significantly better than the original series. There were a lot more women, but I mean, it's still still fairly limited.
0: Well, I mean, what was the original series numbers like? 10% or something. Season
1: 3 got almost to 20%, but Ooh, wow. uh, season 1 was I
0: think less than 5%. Well, I mean, that's not surprising. Yeah. The results are
1: all up on com if you want to look at like the episode by episode results.
2: You know what? I actually really don't think that's as bad as it sounds for TNG. Um, mostly because our, our two main women who are there throughout the the entire series are the medical doctor and the counselor. In general, when they're going to be talking to each other, they're going to be talking about the mental or physical health of someone else on the crew, all of the rest of whom are male. So by default, I think there are some conversations there that are about men that are really just about a crew member, and they're not talking about men in a relationship sense even though they definitely do that as well
1: yeah and that's totally fair um i had some people you know say that i should have rated those things passes but i didn't because the writers could have theoretically made more people women which would have increased the odds of them talking about women as patients as well but i mean it's not a perfect test but even in angel one which is about a planet that's ruled by women we get men talking to each other about something other than women three times in the first five minutes of the episode. So it just goes to show that um, that when you have a lot of men characters, that they are getting to converse a lot more about work-related things.
0: Well, and then with Voyager, you have Janeway as the captain. So then theoretically, anytime she gives an order to a female crew member, that would be a Bechdel pass, because they're talking about something other than a men. So that just alone would mean that I bet Voyager's numbers are the highest because even the most casual interaction from Janeway to a crew member, it, a female crew member is going to pass that bar.
2: Yeah, and her chief engineer is also female.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, this just goes to show, like, yes, it's it's a very general way to look at, you know, how many women you have and how they interact with each other, but it it does tell us something because... If you had more women, it would be a million times easier for you to pass this test. If you Mm -hmm. had women that are doing jobs on the ship that are not related to, you know, their male love interests or whatever, you're going to have that pass a lot easier. So, I mean, with such a low bar, you would think that, you would think that our media in general could clear it quite highly. But unfortunately, this is, this is one of those bars that are, we just don't pass as often as we should. So I wanted to also talk about some of our main female characters on the ship. I mean, obviously we have Crusher and Troy as our main female characters, but we also have a lot of recurring characters that are really interesting. And we kind of discussed this a little bit in our first episode about our just our general favorite female characters in Star Trek as a whole. But I was wondering if you guys wanted to tell me you know, just who your favorite character, female character on TNG is, and you know why, and why do you think that they were handled better? Now I know Sue's. I know who Sue's favorite character is.
2: Yeah, my favorite TNG character is my favorite female character, uh, Beverly Crusher. And it, actually, the way you posed the question, I found interesting. Why you felt they were treated better? I don't necessarily think she was. Um, but I think there was something about the way Gates McFadden portrayed the character that gave it more than the writers intended. Um, but I think the one of the most interesting things about Crusher is that she is a single mom, right? But so for the first, oh, how old is Wesley when the season starts? 15? First 15 years, or really not first 15 But for the previous 10-ish years, she was raising this kid alone. And then any time that Wesley has anything going on that he needs advice on, he's not turning to his mom. He's turning to Riker or Picard or Geordi or Data. He's turning to one of the other men. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with needing a male role model in this, this boy's life. But he never talks to his mom about anything. Which is really weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a common joke that they make is that Beverly doesn't do very much mothering, considering that she is a mother. But that's not really the fault of Beverly. That's the fault of writers wanting to have these male bonding scenes between Wesley and some of the uh, male crew members. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, does turn into some interesting uh, relationships. It's
2: just. Why wouldn't you also talk to your mom? I don't know. It's it's weird. Maybe they didn't want to show that relationship, but TNG can be strange sometimes. And I know Gates McFadden has spoken out about that several times. I know she has spoken out about how she went to the writers and she had disagreements on them about, especially in the first season, how they were treating her character. And that is most of the reason why she wasn't around in season two. And it took a lot of convincing to bring her back to the show. But I, I think she's also she also has a quote where she said that she went to the writers and told them, just write the character as a man. By virtue of me playing it, I will make it a woman. So I do think part of my love for Beverly Crusher is because of my love for Gates McFadden. But there is something about the character and the way she played it. And maybe even the, the snarky comments and the faces that she makes now and then, or the fact that sometimes the male members of the crew really don't want to cross her path, that just drew me to her since, you know, I was five years old.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think we need to be careful here because there are a lot of really great female characters that were not well served by the writing, and I think Crusher is a good example of this. Troy is, I think, even a better example of this, where it's not that we dislike the characters, it's just that we wish they were given more to do. So I I agree with you that Crusher I I really like her as a character and I think she got some some interesting things to do. And when they did give her um, episodes where she got to kind of stretch, she was awesome and very capable and very cool. So how about you, Jira? Hmm. So when I was <laughs> little,
1: I loved Counselor Troy. Like I thought she was like a Star Trek princess, and I shipped riker troy i was like i don't know eight years old as i got older i really realized just how poorly she was served like you're saying um and marina sardis has talked a lot about this about how she was like a potted palm on the bridge just there for decoration until uh season six when she gets to start wearing an actual uniform and then suddenly she had brains because you weren't looking at her cleavage so yeah but i I think that with her there's also um that the writers just didn't respect the importance of a mental health professional and we saw that i think a bit with esri dax as well that there were actually comments from some of the writers that gene roddenberry really wanted a counselor on the ship and um i forget which writer was saying this but basically like this is what will date our show because it's new agey to have a counselor um but in fact like that's actually an important job like dealing with people's mental health is an important job and we just never really got to see her do that so it's kind of disappointing She also had a lot of horrible romantic episodes that involve things like psychic rape and often involve sort of the message that women should be careful and uh, not too free with their sexuality. So um, it's super problematic. But I really think uh, Marina Sirtis has a couple outstanding episodes that really show what she could have done if she was given more stuff to do, um, like uh, Face of the Enemy, Um, yeah so I'm still a Troy fan I like um, in the novels she gets a lot more stuff to do in the way of diplomacy and uh, in counseling
0: work and that's uh, cool to see I find it really sad to think that people would not think that a mental health professional would not be vital on a starship I'm sorry but they are living in space I can't think of what Is there something more stressful than that? I mean, they're living in space. They're going on very dangerous adventures all of the time. Uh, People die quite often. I mean, just imagine all of the grief counseling she would have to do every time we have one of those episodes where something blows up and they're like, oh no, deck seven, everyone's dead. The idea that a counselor wouldn't be extremely important in those scenarios and also her empathy. They had such a chance to make her empathy be so cool. And very very useful I mean you were talking about diplomacy how how useful would it be to, to be empathic and a diplomat at the same time? Being able to read the room is half of what you're doing in diplomacy anyway and they don't give her very much of a chance to do that. There is an episode where she kind of does that, but they ruin it by making her fall in love with the the fellow empath, which is again what you're talking about earlier Jared where they really didn't know what to do with her in general so all the Troy episodes with some notable exceptions like face of the enemy are like troy falls in love with a sketchy dude again and it's it's just really unfortunate because off the top of my head i can think of so many cool things she could have done with her powers and done with her job and instead you just it turns into a joke i sense that they are not telling the truth i sense this which is unfair both to her character and to Marina Sirtis as an actress. It's just really sad. Missed opportunity, I would say.
2: And, you know, even now there is a huge subset of our society that thinks mental health is a joke. You know, people talk about, oh, I need to see a counselor. I really need to talk to somebody about XYZ that's going on with me. And people just laugh at it. Yeah. And and one of our more persistent issues of ableism in our
0: society at large is that mental health is not as important as your physical health, which is bonkers because obviously your brain is the most important thing to your entire self. If it's not working correctly, that's a huge problem. It'd be like trying to fix your computer with ignoring the motherboard. Um, It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, But we don't treat mental health as is important, and a lot of times people with some of our more common forms of mental illness, depression, anxiety, all these kinds of illnesses are not treated as seriously as they should be. And I think that you're absolutely right, this is probably one reason why her character was sidelined, is because the show wasn't ready to to really tackle mental health in a meaningful way and there are a handful of episodes where they try to and i think it's great i mean she does have people that come to her that are clients for her counseling services um and then you know we do get the character of barkley who has a mental illness and i have mixed feelings about him as a character because on the one hand i was super excited to see mental illness being brought up on star trek But I was not very excited to have it be mostly a punchline and I was not excited to have that character be portrayed as weaker as everybody else just because he has this anxiety issue that he did. Oh, I just wanted to let you guys know
1: about something I read in an article in I think Starlog from 1995 and okay, so this is an interview with Denise Crosby and she's saying I remember a scene I had to do at my audition which really showed you what the character could have been what I thought Tasha was going to be. It was an extraordinary scene, and it was a shame that it never appeared in any of our shows. I don't really know why it didn't. It was a scene in which Tasha had a real problem on the ship. She idolized Captain Picard, he represented a father figure to her, and he embodied all of the perfect patriarchal power and together male things that she never had in her life. Because she endowed him with such power, she had problems dealing with him. He scared her, and she felt very insecure around him, even though she deserved to be in her position. She sent to Troy, who is really acting as shipboard shrink in this scene. They try to get to what Tasha's problem was. Troy, out of the blue, asks Tasha, when was the last time you had sex? Tasha says, what? And Troy asks it again. Tasha asks how that applies to the problem. Troy says, no, 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 you've got to have some time off for yourself. Basically, Troy told Tasha, go get laid for a few days, then come back and tell me how you feel. It was an extraordinary scene. <laughs> and then she says, like, Marina and I used to talk about it all the time. Where the hell was that scene? Why didn't we ever get to do it? It allowed the two of us to interact, which we rarely did in my 20-something shows. And that would have been very insightful. But
0: I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, the fact that they would have sent someone who's having a mental issue to the counselor is good.
2: <laughs> they never would have put that on TV in 1987. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> I also just don't
0: know that they should. <laughs>
2: I'm not sure that's the solution. but
1: Yeah, it's like, so you idolized Picard and you didn't have enough men in your life, so go find some men to get laid with.
2: <laughs> but you know, it, it, it kind of points to something, because you, you mentioned Tasha's history, that has always kind of bugged me about TNG and people's reaction to TNG. They're like, oh, it was made in the late 80s, it's so idyllic, nobody has any problems. But every single one of our major characters has a traumatic past. Like Tasha was, I guess the implication is that she was like gang raped as a young child in this terrible town. Numerous times. Yeah. And and uh, Troy has lost her father really young and her mother is clearly crazy. And Crusher lost both her parents and was raised by her grandmother. Picard's father disowned him. Riker's father disappeared. There are a lot of father things. Wesley, in addition, Crusher's husband died after like five years. You know, everybody has something terrible. LaForge's mother disappeared. So like all of these people should be having a lot more issues and possibly depression or anxiety or separation problems, abandonment issues than they're ever shown as having. They're all just happy-go-lucky because it's the late 80s.
1: Well, and partly that Gene Roddenberry um, apparently thought that a lot of mental health problems, like physical health problems, would be cured in the future. So that came up in the episode, I think, The Bonding, where the little boy's mother dies. And apparently they had a huge fight over that episode, because Gene Roddenberry said in the future, like, kids aren't going to have grief over this kind of thing. And everyone luckily disagreed on that, because I think that's pretty ridiculous. And they made that episode. But um, I think that That um, the hand he had in creating those characters um, was a bit in that transitional stage that these are supposed to be people that we can admire and that part of that is somehow that they've overcome things, even if that's really unrealistic.
0: Think about how much character development and how much relationship development could have come from Troy helping each of these people you know, face their problems, face their pasts, and come out better on the other side, especially Tasha Yar, who has one of the most horrific backstories I think you could ever write for anyone, and I think we could spend a whole episode, and we should, on Tasha Yar and her background and how problematic it is, but I mean, that would just have made for a stronger show with stronger characterization, in my opinion, and I really don't buy the the idea that mental health just becomes perfect in the future.
2: Think about if Wesley had actually befriended that kid who lost his father.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are lots of story possibilities um, that also help, you know, people who are suffering from these sorts of mental illnesses see somebody overcome them in a, a meaningful way, on, uh, in a meaningful job, and still be important and heroic. I mean, I think that could have been really, really cool. Um Getting back a little bit back to our characters, because we went off on a really interesting tangent that maybe we should consider for another episode, um, mental health on the Enterprise. Um, My favorite female character from TNG is Guinan. And we talked a little bit about that before. And actually, I think it's interesting because, you know, we talked about how Troy doesn't get to counsel. That's basically what Guinan does as a bartender. You know, they have her having these sorts of I mean, there's an episode with Crusher where um, she leads Crusher through a a traumatic event gently, with pretending to have what a tennis injury, something. Help me out because I I don't don't remember the details. Yeah, Yeah, and she uses this as a way to get in with Crusher and help Crusher deal with some of her feelings. And I just I think that's really interesting that they they had a, a counselor on board and they gave a lot of her duties to a woman who is tending bar, which, I mean, I guess isn't totally out of the blue because, I mean, we do have this idea that you go up to the bar, well, what will you have? And then you spill out your problems to the bartender, and I just think it's cool that we actually had some of that happening at all. Uh, It could have been nice to have Troy do it, but if Guinan was there, Guinan was there. Um, And then just in general, I think she's a really gentle but strong character, and I always liked how we never quite knew what was going on with her. She was very mysterious. I never quite understood her background and, um, you know, even what she was, uh, what race she was. It was never completely clear, which I thought was fun. And then I just really like her relationships with all of the characters, especially with Picard. I thought they had a really nice relationship and I would have liked to see more Guinan, more Guinan all the time. Did you watch the movies yet, Andy? Like Generations? I have not watched the movies
1: yet because they get more into her background. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but she does get to ride a merry-go-round, a unicorn on a merry-go-round in Picard's imaginary Victorian Christmas living room. So,
0: okay, you've just sold me on that movie. <laughs> to be honest, if you're trying to warn me away, you failed. Uh, that sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm waiting on the TNG movies because uh, I've been told. That I am supposed to watch the original series movies before I watch the TNG movies. So I just I just take that advice and go with it. Okay, so let's move on to more of episodes. Um, so we have some really great episodes for women in TNG, and we have some really bad episodes for women in TNG. We've got the the two extremes quite um represented here so i was wondering if we could maybe go through and what's a really good episode for women for everybody and what's a really bad one sue do you want to start
2: i think the one that we touched on a little bit before with with Guinan and crusher is a really great episode i think it's suspicions is that right yes yeah see you probably made a lot more notes than i did i'm just using my <laughs> brains <laughs>
0: What Hey, Jared, can you kind of, like, recap
1: what that episode is? Do you remember? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I remember this one because I reviewed it pretty recently for my blog. Um, and basically what happens, and this is actually really cool, is that Crusher invites this whole team of scientists on the ship to investigate this Ferengi scientist's idea that he can basically develop a thing that can let you fly into a sun's corona to investigate it and um so there's this other group of scientists two of whom are women there's a klingon woman and a vulcan woman a human man and then this man of i cannot remember his race but he's a blue guy and um (laughs) but then the uh man who's piloting the first mission gets killed and um it looks like maybe this technology has failed but crusher still refuses to give up on this scientist this sprangy scientist and then he gets killed so it's kind of a murder mystery And she is bent on proving his theories to try to find out the truth of the situation and not let his ideas die. Um, So it's really neat because we don't really get to see her. Like we see her doing experiments, but really doing science outside a medical setting um, is kind of cool. Plus she um, totally stares down this awesome Klingon um, who basically like slams her against a wall and Crusher just like gets up and stares her down. Um, it's pretty great. So, sorry, I'm just, like, taking away your heart too.
0: <laughs> oh, but, like, Crusher as detective. I do remember that episode. Um, I couldn't remember which, the, which episode the guy and Crusher scene was from, but I do remember this episode, and it is a good one. Um, Crusher gets a lot to do in it, and, you know, it, it's always nice to see her doing fun stuff. And what's more fun than being a murder mystery detective?
2: Well, and that she goes up against her commanding officer, too. And Picard's like, well, you can't do this. I'm going to take away your commission. She's like, go ahead. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Because it is the right thing to do, and it is the thing I care about, and I'm not just going to let whatever be swept under the rug.
0: It's nice, too, because so often we have women that are portrayed as hysterical or emotional and, you know, illogical and not being right when they have these suspicions. But Crusher has totally proved to be completely right in the end. She was totally right to pursue it, so strongly and everybody who dismissed her was wrong
2: although she does go against a culture's wishes i think to perform an autopsy and that's another issue that happens a lot in star trek yeah the res-
1: uh the resolution seems a bit too simple like the stuff she does is pretty egregious and then it's just kind of swept under the rug because she was right but um i really appreciate how she sticks her guns in that episode as well as remember me and how mm-hmm. picard backs her until he basically can't because she's really crossed a line. Picard is basically like I trust you even though the evidence points to the contrary. I believe that you're telling the
0: truth. That's a that's a good pick. See, that's not one I would have thought of right off the top of my head, but I really I really like that pick. What about a really bad episode?
2: <laughs> is this mine too? The one I keep thinking of because we were talking about Troy and her counseling ability so much. Again, I'm not going to remember the name of it. That's what we have Jarrah for. Jara is our like our library. <laughs> if we ever do Star Trek trivia, Jarrah
0: is gonna be the one that's gonna be like buzzing in every five seconds and remembering some obscure.
2: Usually, I can see like thirty seconds of a scene and tell you the episode name, but my brain's just not awake this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's the one where where something happens to Troy and she loses her her the empathic loss. ability. There you go. The loss. Um, Because she presumably, maybe this is just my opinion, she presumably has gone through all of this training to have degrees in counseling and psychology, but as soon as she loses her empathic ability, she's completely useless. And she is a hysterical, crying wreck who just throws tantrums and doesn't want to see anybody. And I just... uh, that episode has always rubbed me the wrong way because you were you are a professional you have training in this you should be able to first of all know that you need to deal with your own loss but also be able to continue doing your job
0: yeah i think that that's one of the episodes that a lot of people who don't like troy point to as why she was basically not competent at her job and i i, I don't know i i see where you're coming from but i also i find it sad that we couldn't have an episode like this and make it work because the the way they're putting it is she's basically lost one of her senses so would we treat her the same way if she had gone suddenly blind would they have had more patience with her if she was suddenly deaf or lost a limb and was in a wheelchair you know but um they don't really give her much of a a way to kind of grieve that and the way she reacts to it well they
2: do but she refuses it that's the thing everyone around her is trying to to figure out what they can do to help her and she says no i'm gonna do it stop treating me this way stop babying me and then she throws tantrums
1: yeah i think that we we should probably do an episode on ableism in star trek because um, yes (laughs) i also i think that the important part of the loss is that she eventually realizes that she would be totally capable of doing her job without that sense um and versus like the episode where Worf breaks his back and tries to commit ritual suicide um so I mean I think in the scheme of how Star Trek has represented disability it's not the worst but some it's problematic for sure
0: yeah and it's it's too bad too because I could see it being really interesting and And a really good Troy episode if they handled it a little better, but she does come off as being very unlikable, very, I don't know, strident, um, overreacting, kind of. But she has suffered, I mean, the whole episode's called The Loss, so it is kind of an episode about grief. I don't know. I just, I wish that it could be better, I guess. I definitely see where you're coming with, Sue, and and the problems that you have. Again, not one I would think of, so well done for that.
2: I'm not sure if it's necessarily a bad episode for women, or if it's just a bad episode for Troy, who happens to be a woman. I think
0: we can count that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one of the things that we want to talk about is how our, our female crew members are characterized, so I think that totally counts. Uh, how about you, Jira? All right. Best. Best.
1: Um, okay, so um I just recently made a list of what I think are my top 10 favorite or feminist TNG episodes. So they all had to pass the Bechdel test. And I I picked number one as being yesterday's enterprise. First of all, it has an awesome woman captain of the enterprise, Rachel Garrett. Um, And it's like from the very first minute we see her, like she totally owns that role and you can totally buy her as, as great a captain of the enterprise as Kirk or Picard. And then it basically redeems Tasha's, really crummy death that we had in season one. Um, we get her to come back, she gets to bond with Guinan and uh she basically gets to find a more meaningful end to herself. And yes, that's sort of undermined later in the show, but for yesterday's Enterprise it's amazing and great.
0: Yeah, I mean Tasha Yar just if we want to talk about characters poorly served by the material i don't think you can get much worse than Tashiar. i mean from the very beginning they they definitely wanted her to be some sort of like strong warrior woman type trope um and they just i feel like they just didn't know how to write that and they were they kept backing down on it and they kept being afraid to go there i feel like they were trying to do like a zoe type character from firefly but just didn't have the tools to make it work i
2: feel like they sort of redid what they wanted Yar to be with Ro. Exactly. And even even though Ro had her problems, they then redeemed themselves further with Kira. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like they were exploring this idea of actually having a kick-ass woman, and then... You know, their first couple tries didn't work very well, and then hopefully they they managed to get to the point where they could write a woman that was very strong physically but not make her, you know, emotionally weak or just written poorly. Um, Because I think a lot of problems we have, especially now when people are talking about strong female characters, is uh, people think that they can write a character that can just punch someone in the face competently and consider them a strong female character, which is just not the case um and i feel like this is something that yar suffered from and i mean that that episode where she dies the first time skin of evil has to be one of the worst episodes ever <laughs> um not just because of how they handle yar but just as a, it's it's a, just a bad episode um so i agree with jara that it's very nice to see tashi yar come back and actually be written well um that's just very satisfying because it was so disappointing to see her go down like that all of this and, I mean, we were talking about how Gates had problems with how she was portrayed. Denise Crosby had even worse problems with how she was portrayed and was basically like, peace, I'm not doing this. Bye. Um, which is why they had to write this super clumsy death for her and super horrible funeral. Please, oh, God. Guys, if I die unexpectedly, do not let my funeral be like that.
2: Please. And super hilarious wound.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. that That episode is just a train wreck. If I really honestly feel like if we could have left Yara's story at um, yesterday's Enterprise, they would have redeemed her character immensely. And I'm just really sad that, you, Jerry, you alluded to it, that they come back and they bring her back and they make her a victim again. She cannot get away from being a victim. It's really sad. But I do agree that yesterday's Enterprise is, I think, just one of the best episodes of TNG in general. And one of the reasons that it is, is because they handle their female characters better. And this is a trend that I see through the original series and TNG, is that when they have an episode that is better for women, that episode becomes better as a whole, just as a piece of entertainment. I mean, it's over and over and over again. When you have all of your characters being well-served, it turns the episode into something stronger. Great pick, Jarrah, I agree 100%. And maybe this is a good um, possibility for a new series, is seeing a prequel of Captain Garrett being awesome on the Enterprise. I mean, is she the only canon female captain of the Enterprise?
2: That we know of, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean sadly
2: we would know how
0: that story would end but I still think that that she was a really strong character especially considering she was only on screen for a very short amount of time it's always impressive when you have a a character that makes such an impression Mm -hmm.
1: okay so worst my worst pick there's I think a couple that are generally acknowledged as some of the worst Trek episodes and some of the most sexist Trek episodes are of TNG. Um but the one I'm going to pick is Code of Honor because as <laughs> as Will Wheaton says in his review, "Oh good, we get to be sexist and racist in this one."
0: It's like they were like How can we make it even worse? Oh, God,
1: it's so bad. So basically, for those of you who don't remember, uh, it is the one where there is a race of people. So basically they cast all black actors to play this alien race and dress them in like faux tribal prints except shiny and then made them horribly barbaric. Oh, gosh. Um, So basically the leader of this planet, Lutan, who supposedly is really
0: studly. I just, I can't (laughs) buy it. That was one of the first things that I could not buy about this episode, that we were supposed to think that this guy was somebody that anybody would fight for. Oh, my God. (laughs) So what happens is, like, he abducts
1: Yar, and then because of the Prime Directive, Picard just can't, like, take her back. He has to let her fight Lutan's wife to the death. Uh, over Lutan <laughs> because basically Lutan wants his wife's fortune because even though like the, the society is super patriarchal the wife holds the money until she dies so Lutan is like ha, Yar can kill her because she is a super great fighter and then I'll get all of her money and whether super sexy Yar wants to stay with me or not doesn't really matter
2: so wait, the Prime Directive will not let Picard take Yar back but she can kill, essentially, the queen.
1: <laughs> so um, there's also, like, some, I think, vaccine at stake. Like, this kind of, this planet has vaccine that a planet desperately needs. So I think, like, Yar could have chosen to go back. But she's like, I want to stay and fight because we really need this vaccine for this planet.
0: That's, that's super great plot. Yeah. Right oh, my God. I mean, so- from top to bottom. Well written, guys. Well it's written. It's so
1: terrible. Um. So first, I mean, it's obvious why it's super racist. Like, let's cast a whole race of aliens as basically imbued with all the Heart of Darkness stereotypes you could. And then it's obviously super sexist because you have, like, two women fighting to the death over a man in like tight outfits but what's I think the worst part about it is this whole thing that like Lutan is so studly that no woman could possibly resist him and this we see a lot in the original series with like this idea that women just can't control themselves around certain men that they lose all their capacity for reason because of their hormones and feelings and Sexual desires.
0: Well, we get that really cringeworthy scene between Troy and uh, Yar, where Troy basically makes Yar admit that she's attracted to Lutan, which, first of all, is. In front sharing... of Captain Picard. Yes, it's horrible. Um, but, sorry, if you're sharing a ship with, like, Riker and Picard and Geordie LaForge, how are you ever going to be tempted by this super gross Lutan guy? Um, and just it felt like another way to diminish Yar's power, you know. Like she actually likes the fact that he kidnapped her. What? That's horrible.
1: Totally, yeah. So like in that scene, um, Picard and Troy are just hanging it with Yar, and this is totally, totally unnecessary. But Troy goes like, "Lieutenant is such such a basic male image, and having him say he wants you." And Yar goes, "Yes, of course." It made me feel good when he. Troy, I'm your friend and you tricked me. So basically like in front of Picard for no reason, she gets her to admit that she had feelings for Lutan. And it like does not help the situation at all. All it does is make her seem like she can't really handle her job. You know
2: what it is? It's it's a compliment. Just take it as a compliment. <laughs> Learn to take a compliment.
1: Come on, man, don't be so sensitive. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. And actually, there are several times in that episode where male characters, including P- Picard, like comment on how attractive Yara is. So Picard goes to Lutan, like, Yes, she is a rather lovely female. So, <laughs> so like, terrible. It's, oh, just stop. Like, we can
2: tell. You don't have to say it We all can the time. see her
0: face, guys. We don't need yeah. to be described at how beautiful she is. We see her before us.
2: It really is like a TOS episode. It really is. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. I don't think that there are many episodes in TNG that reach TOS levels of horrible, racist, sexist tropes. Um, but this one definitely gets there. So 100% agree there, Jara. 100%. How about best? Let's end that on a positive note. Watch that episode out of our mouth. Oh, well, I already did a best one. What's your best? Oh, that's right. Okay, so my best is actually Dark Page. Nice. I, I, and I can think of a lot of really great episodes for uh, TNG, Ro, uh, Ensign Row comes to mind. Uh, but I picked Dark Page for two reasons. One, because it's specifically about a female relationship, which we do not get nearly enough of. And two, it gives Luxwana Troy a chance to be not silly and comic relief. Um, and I think that Luxana Troy is kind of a very controversial figure in TNG. Some people like her, some people really hate her, some people find her annoying. I actually really kind of like. Her, I don't know, the way she always does what she wants. I I definitely like that. But this is a great episode to showcase that she does have a deeper side to her and she does have, uh, you know, traumatic experiences that she's dealing with and that she hides a lot of her inner thought with, you know, fancy costumes and over-the-top behavior. And then just being able to really delve into Troy and um, Luxana's relationship is really nice for me. And just in general, I think this is a fun episode. The idea of going into somebody's mental landscape and and pulling them out. It's a pretty common sci-fi... I I don't want to use the word cliche, but it's it's one used often. But in this case, I think it's used really, really well. So just as a whole, I really enjoyed that episode. Then my least favorite by like a mile is the child. So the child is basically one of the many instances we have where Troy is raped. Um, Some sort of alien being comes and invades her body and leaves her pregnant, which, but okay. So we should definitely do mystical pregnancy sometime um, because I think it's just a really horrible trope that we see not only in Star Trek, but all all across sci-fi and fantasy. Um, So she gets pregnant and then there is one of my least favorite scenes ever where they actually have a conference about it and they sit around the conference table and discuss Troy's pregnancy while she sits there silently. Um, and nobody seems to think, hey, maybe she should be the only one making any decisions about this pregnancy. And just, it's so gross. It's so gross on every level. Um, and then the, the, the episode at large is just really terrible. It's It's just another example of, Bad episodes for women often equals bad episodes in general, but this one is particularly egregious. Yeah,
1: I really, I mean, at the end of that conference room scene, at least basically everyone looks at her and she gets the final word, but it's so gross to watch, like, Warf talking about how basically we should make a decision uh, based on the safety of the ship and not at all consider her wishes. And I think what's worse is Riker being, like, jealous. Like, she just got raped. Who is
0: that father? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. He broke
2: up with her.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, Even that is just so disgusting. It's like you just got assaulted. And his first thing is like to feel like his masculinity has been injured.
2: Well, he is William T. Riker.
0: Well, I mean, this just goes to, to a deeper issue of how uh, people of sexual assault are treated in the Star Trek universe. But at no point, and correct me if I'm, if I'm remembering this wrong, but I don't believe at any point anybody actually acknowledges that she's been raped. Or has her deal with that in any way. It's just kind of like they go straight to the pregnancy and then she's happy to be pregnant and then she's happy to have her kid. But at no point does it does anybody ever say, oh wait, Troy, you just got violated horrifically. No, never. Let's deal with that.
1: No, and I'm sure we will. I think we're planning an episode on... Um psychic rape so i'm sure we'll talk about the other episodes where similar things happen with troy yeah
0: i mean this isn't something that happens to troy just once right she gets to be violated over and over again she gets an episode called violations i think that's the reason why the child is is one of my least favorites because i feel like it kind of incorporates all of the problems that tng had in one episode um troy troy's episodes being weak and always about in this case not a shady man but just being violated and then not dealing with that a shady energy being <laughs> yeah shady energy being this time she falls for a shady energy being. yeah
1: and i mean like you know it's it's a totally valid choice to be like i want to keep this baby but she like the i don't buy it all that she would be not traumatized by carrying a baby to term in basically a day. Uh,
2: mentally and physically traumatized because what?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, having a pregnancy is no joke. It, your entire body sh- changes in every appreciable way. And it's, it's a very traumatic thing for your body to go through over nine months, much less, you know, a couple days. Um, but we don't see any indication that it was... Hard and we don't see any indication that she feels like she was raped at all. I mean, they don't even they don't even name it as what it is, which is the most disappointing thing for me, I guess.
1: And just a side note on the child is so I mean, the reason we have the child is because of the writers' strike that um, they pulled it as a topic um, out of the failed Star Trek II uh, TV show that never got off the ground, but it, there was a script basically. Um, but it's also the first episode where we get to see Dr. Pulaski, who um, I think gets started off on a really terrible foot. And I think that that's a bit of a disservice to women in the show. Um, First, they started off hating Data, but also her very first scene on the ship is basically Picard looking for her and being like, where's the new doctor? And them saying basically she's in 10 forward. So it makes it sound like she's getting drunk on her first day. And I think if there's one thing that really kind of dooms a character for failure is when they start out having the captain not respect them.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, Pulaski, just in general, is definitely someone we're going to have to talk about in a bigger context. But her introduction um, as someone that Picard doesn't respect is bad, especially especially since Crusher just disappears, basically. We don't even get some sort of episode where she transitions out, she just kind of leaves and we have this new person in her place, which they decide to make the decision to have her be mean to one of our most beloved characters, which is not a great start to her character. Yeah, so the child, bad. Word. <laughs> Do we want to add anything else um to anything we've talked about today? Any of the characters or episodes?
2: I would like to hear the rest of Jara's top ten list. Ooh,
0: yeah, let's hear that. So number one was at Yesterday's Enterprise. So my top 10 list, um, like
1: I said, I limited myself to episodes that pass the Bechdel test. So there are a couple episodes that just can't get in there for that reason. But that was partly just to make it easier for me. And I've also reconsidered episode 10. But counting down, so uh, episode one, I have Yesterday's Enterprise. For two, I have Face of the Enemy, which I talked about briefly. And I think is generally great, um, partly because the Romulan commander that Troy has to face off against was written with the writer not knowing what gender they were going to cast. And I think it shows what you were saying earlier about like Dr. Crusher and how if the writers don't obsess so much about the character's gender, they can just write better characters. Um, For number three, I have Ensign Rowe. Number four, Dark Page. Number five, Suspicions. So a bunch of ones we've talked about already. Uh, number six, preemptive strike, which is the one where uh, Row uh, defects to the Maquis. But I also like it because it. Um has some good stuff with Admiral Necheyev and uh, the uh, woman in the Maquis that Roe sort of makes friends with, but she's really suspicious of Roe. Who watches The Watchers, which is the one where Troy and Riker are undercover in the Proto-Vulcan society. And that is like a society that is uh, sort of a matriarchy. And I think it's done really well because um, they didn't just Unlike Angel 1, assume that if women were in charge, the whole place would be terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I like that about it and try to get some cool stuff to do. In the, the number 8, I have The Emissary, which is the first episode with Kalar. Uh, number 9, I have Legacy, the one with Ishariar, And then 10, I... So 10, I have debated. I put in the outcast, even though I think it's really problematic, and I'm sure we will talk about it if we do one on LGBT characters. Um, But I put it in basically because of the monologue that Soren gets about why it's not fair um, to force people to live in a way that doesn't feel right to them. But then a lot of people complain that I didn't put in Remember Me um and upon reflection like i think remember me is probably slightly better than the outcast but that is the list that i published
0: i i like it i like that list a lot um i think it's interesting that sue did you you didn't read that list beforehand did you i
2: did not no i mean i probably did at some point because i followed jara's tumblr but
0: (laughs) it. yeah i didn't either and yet we still managed to hit basically all of those episodes in today's episode which i think is really
2: interesting and your description of the outcast kind of reminds me of um first contact as well where there's the female scientist who has a very similar speech who i don't remember her name but she's played by bb newarth who i also adore yes
1: Although I, I'm not super into the her like sleeping with Riker, Riker under false pretenses, but uh, right,
2: it's still yeah. problematic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there's a, a similar well-intentioned speech.
1: Yeah, and I'll post that link to the show notes, and as well, like we're gonna on our site, womenatwarp.com, we'll have sort of notes on the episodes and the times that we, you know, come up with someone's name and we can't remember the the character's name or the episode name. We'll put all that stuff <laughs> in the show notes and any links to stuff afterwards.
0: Does that mean we don't get to count on you as our encyclopedia? Because I was totally planning on counting on you as our encyclopedia.
1: Oh, you totally can. But sometimes I forget things like our last episode where (laughs) I forgot Gene Roddenberry's assistant's name, Richard Arnold. So post that kind of thing (laughs) in the show notes.
2: (laughs) And we didn't Um, really talk. I mean, we talked a little bit about Dr. Pulaski, but not a whole lot about Commander Shelby, not a whole lot about Lwaxana. Not Necheyev, and I mean maybe we need to do this again for the the minor slash recurring female characters on t n g
0: yes, I totally was thinking when i was when i when I chose this topic in general, I was like, well, I feel like even though we're obviously going to be doing a lot of episodes in which we focus on a particular character, I mean some of them um just have so much that we can talk about. I wanted to do a a general one, and even then I was like, you know, this is such a huge topic, we're probably going to have to do more than one episode on it. So I totally agree with you. I would would really like to tackle, for instance, Kalar, because I think she has a very interesting arc, and just some of the the more minor recurring characters uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about, some of the episodes we didn't get a chance to talk about. So I think um, we can finish up this episode knowing that there is going to definitely be a part two, because... I don't know about you all, but I have a lot more to say. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for our discussion on Women on the Next Generation. If you are interested in finding out more about Women at Warp, you can check us out at our website, womenatwarp.com, or follow us on Twitter at Women at Warp. Now, Jara, where can people find out more about you and your work? People can find me at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com. And Sue, how about you?
2: You can find me over at anomalypodcast.com.
0: Great. And I'm Andy. You can follow my live tweeting of Star Trek on Twitter under First Time Trek, or you can check out my archive project on Tumblr at firsttimetrack.tumblr.com. If you have any questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes, feedback of any kind, feel free to email us at crew at women at warp.com.